All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reeds 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. And we're starting today's episode with Dr. Greg Philbeck, Professor of Finance at Penn State Barron, as we talk through the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and a few others. What does this mean for the nation's economy, and what does it mean to us on a local scale? Stay tuned for that important conversation, as well as other news, your phone calls, and a whole lot more. It's live and local right here, the Joel Natale Show. Well, let's cut to the chase because we don't want to keep our expert waiting. Uh, Dr. Greg Philbeck, uh, again, professor of finance at Penn State Barron, the Black School of Business. Uh, Dr. Philbeck, great to have you back on the show here. And wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. All righty. So um, obviously, I'm sure that your email and your, your uh, texting has kind of rung off the hook as people try to decipher what's going on in the banking industry and um, all I could say is as a layperson, this sure looks a lot like it's a wonderful life right after the wedding when they've got the two thousand dollars and they're trying to um, stave off the the run on the building and loan I mean this isn't that far off from that is it uh well you do paint a quite a a graphic picture there that uh uh, you have seen also captured in some media images as well of folks standing outside the bank. So, uh, yes, uh, it, it, you know, in some ways you can see the analogous relationship. All right. So let's let's make sure that people understand um, what's different before they know what's the same. This is a bank that catered to Silicon Valley, catered to venture capitalists and tech firms. Explain all that for us, if you would. Uh, so, yeah, the primary um, uh, depositors uh, in Silicon Valley Bank uh, were from venture capitalists, which, interestingly, they're the ones that uh, poured uh, between the end of 19, uh, 2019 and 2022, the first quarter. Uh, they basically were the driving force behind increases in the bank's deposit balances. They actually tripled to almost $200 billion during that time period, uh, and that is at a time period where the industry growth rate, to give you some perspective, uh, was only about 30, 37%. So tremendous growth taking place in deposits during that time. Uh, and um, what ended up happening over this uh, time period is uh, 
you know, they they basically uh, a bank really needs to be concerned about interest rate risk management, and they could have not made a, a worse series of decisions uh, in terms of that. But they could have almost got away with it if they had not seen uh, and if they'd forecasted better uh, what some of their smaller depositors were going to be doing in terms of pulling out and ultimately the venture capitalists as well. Uh, so, you know, th what ends up happening is they're investing in longer term treasury instruments at a time when, when Jerome Powell was shouting from uh, the rooftop saying, I'm going to raise rates. We know that there is an inverse relationship between bond prices uh, and interest rate movements. So when interest rates go up, bond values go down and they're investing in longer term instruments, which are much more interest rate sensitive. Well, let me so, ask you, hold on just a second, because I would imagine that the freshmen at your school understand this pretty fundamentally. Bond prices go down when interest rates go up. That's that's pretty fundamental finance, isn't it? It, it is absolutely fundamental. So what the heck? That makes it so shocking. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, but they could have almost gotten away with it, Joel. Yeah. Uh, but what they didn't anticipate, and they another thing they did do well, is they really didn't forecast uh, well that uh, there's a an industry contraction that's occurred with respect to deposits. So depositors were pulling out money. In fact, between March 2022 and February 2023, uh, their deposits fell by almost 30, uh, 33 billion, went from 198 to 165. So, it, and this was, of course, was a systematic, system-wide contraction that's taking place. So depositors are wanting their money back. They are basically in a situation where they've tied themselves up into longer term investments, which are underwater. They're not doing well at all. Uh, and so when they go to sell these, they recognize a loss. So what they do to try to cover this loss is they go out to the financial markets and say, hey, we want to raise some money. And they're not successful at it. So uh, it, it, words matter, right? So their leader, uh, basically uh, gets up and says, don't panic. Uh, and I can't think of if you're, you know, if you're a banking customer, anything that's more likely to make you panic than somebody telling you not to panic. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, I don't know who scripted him, uh, but certainly uh, wasn't somebody with any sort of marketing savvy. Wow. There, I, and I'm, I'm trying not to be too political, but there, there is definitely uh, some, some, um, some blame to go around here, and there there is the picture of self dealing that seems to be a part of this. Insofar as that, if you wanted a loan, if you wanted a line of credit, or 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 an investment, a VC investment uh, from from this place, uh, okay, they would let's say they would give you two million dollars for your tech firm, but you were required to do your typical banking, your payroll. Your, you know, your cash flow banking with the same bank, and so it was this cyclical thing here. And again, I'm a layperson, but boy, does that look dumb. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, some of the practices um, that were taking place obviously uh, go back to previous administration uh, and some of the deregulation that took place in the banking industry. That being said, there's a, you know, there's a lot of folks that you can point fingers at. Uh, but but this disaster that was looming on the horizon, um, really, um, there, there should have been a little bit more oversight uh, into what was going on with this particular bank. And 
you know, when you start looking at the underpinnings of it and you look at the fact that you've got this massive withdrawal of deposits that are taking place. So a lack of ability to, to look at cash flow management. And as you and I talked about a little bit earlier, you know, they basically had a risk manager, uh, an officer who was kind of their chief risk manager, uh, but they went without that. The person quit. And and actually, as they were quitting, they sold some of their stock off, by the way. And um, and then for about a year, they're they're without a, a chief risk manager. Uh, so, again, it just, you know, disaster after disaster uh, taking place with with respect to this particular institution. Let's take a look at the broader tech industry at large. The we've been watching for the last year or so after the kind of the the mad rush of the pandemic and the infusion of cash from the Fed, uh, a lot of a lot of layoffs, a lot of force reductions. Was that a canary in the coal mine for this banking crisis? Uh, quite frankly, the the I think that if they had not had the significant loss of depositors, uh, because of the fact that their bank books themselves. Uh, because they were claiming they were going to hold these assets till maturity. Uh, they're not required by uh, regulatory authorities to, quote unquote, mark to market. In other words, to revaluate uh, what those uh, assets were worth. If they had, technically, uh, they would have been, uh, you know, essentially in default uh, last year, uh, wow. in, you know, in, in uh, late 2022. Uh, but they, they're not required to do that. But they took these uh, they took these securities that they claimed that they were going to hold to maturity and they had to sell them because of the cash drain that was taking place with depositors withdrawing funds. So they had they so, they, they they lacked liquidity. The deposit they, they had liquidity. to pay they had to pay their depositors. Heck, if you just if you were a tech firm, you were just trying to make your typical payroll of of a half a million dollars a month or whatever it was. You were stuck on this thing. All yeah. right, I, I want you to explain the FDIC here and uh, the the two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar insurance, which doesn't seem to be adequate enough in this day and age, at least for these kinds of depositors, right? Well, yes. I mean, if uh, so, uh, one of the things that uh, the FDIC does is they insure deposits up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, you know, one strategy, if you're a, a larger company, is that you could choose uh, to deposit money in a lot of different banks. Uh, but many of these institutions, uh, they were putting all of their money in silicon. So um, what happened um, is, you know, we have this, you know, this failure taking place uh, with the bank, with Silicon Valley Bank. And then over the weekend, a second bank, Signature Bank of New York, which, by the way, Two things are interesting about that. They're dealing in crypto <laughs> and the and also Dodd of uh, who basically was part of the uh, acts that came out of the financial crisis of 2007, 2008 sets on their board, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Signature Bank fell as, uh, failed as well. So essentially. Uh, so what's happening over the weekend is then you get the social media buzz. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, social media basically inciting panic. Uh, and, you know, you better get your deposits out now. This is going to be a run on all banks and uh, a lot of misinformation, as we often see on social media. Uh, so basically, the American uh, America's Treasury, the Federal Reserve, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company basically stepped in to try to take concerns about depositors off the table because, as you mentioned, how will a typical person in Erie react? Well, if they're following social media buzz, 
they're in a panic and they're running to their banks trying to, to yank out money uh, when actually they're creating a crisis uh, through the social media buzz. So what happened is uh, the, the guarantee uh, for this and also Signature Bank of New York uh, is to fully repay depositors in both organizations. Um, and you know these are large banks. I mean, Silicon Valley Bank was the 16th biggest bank of the country. Uh, and uh, Signature Bank is 110 million, not that far behind. Wow. So basically what they're, what they're saying is taxpayers are not gonna foot the bill. The uh, equity holders and bondholders potentially in these banks could have their investments wiped out. Uh, the FDIC's deposit insurance fund uh, and to which the American banks pay are gonna bear the residual costs. So basically depositors in both banks will have full access to their money. They had full access to their money uh, on Monday morning. Uh, there was another thing that uh, the government did is that they stepped in and created a new lending facility. And uh, it's called the Bank Term Funding Program at the Fed. And what, it, if, just in to put it in short terms here, there's already a program that's available uh, through the Fed. It's the discount window, which serves as a lending organization, last resort uh, for banks. But, it, but what this uh, bank term funding program has done is basically insulate banks from interest rate risk management. In other words, they are making loans available that would be equal to the value, the face value of the security, not wow. their market value. So other institutions that did foolish things like going very long on their investments at a time when rates are, are going up dramatically uh, would have the ability to have a second chance, so to speak, in terms of interest rate risk management, uh, because uh, again, through this new program, uh, they would be insulated. All right. I, I know we're not supposed to talk about the moral hazard, but I'm going to talk about the moral hazard. Um, doesn't this just, again, another government walk in uh, to the to the to the uh, regulated markets, mind you? Doesn't this just feel like um, more of the that the, the, the fat cats, uh, you know, get saved and and the, the little guys can't get ahead? Well, actually, I would say it's almost contrary to that because uh, one of the things that's coming out of this particular situation is that they're saying that the losses are going to be borne by the equity holders. So if you have stock in Silicon Valley Bank, you're probably not going to have anything left. And the bondholders uh, in Silicon Valley Bank are likely going to see most of their uh, value uh, extinguished as well. So in that sense, the bearing of the risk, uh, the foolish decisions that were made by Silicon Valley Bank are going to go to their investors first, then the FDIC. And you could say that the you know the taxpayers aren't going to be involved, but it's going. But again, FDIC jumps in and has to do very much work. Then ultimately, it could affect bank premiums, uh, you know, for this insurance coverage mm. in the future. So the banking system. Uh, actually is going to bear the cost. And that's the reason I think you saw the markets reacting negatively toward bank stocks yesterday out of concern of what this could mean within the industry. All right. Uh, but, yeah. but, yeah, I'll go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we have uh, uh, Dr. Greg Philbeck with us from Penn State Baron. I, I, I want to make sure that we understand the impact. You know, when, when people talk about regional banks, I didn't. I didn't notice that anything anywhere near us was mentioned. So PNC Bank, Fifth Third Bank, uh, M and T. You know, the, you know the big banks that are in our tri-state area. Are they looking fine? You know, or, or is there contagion there? No. Uh, and uh, I mean, ultimately, 
uh, in my view, contagion was nipped in the bud by the uh, Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC coming together and, and nipping it in the bud over the weekend. So contagion can occur uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it could be because people are following social media posts and uh, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. Certainly you can incite uh, a crisis simply by getting everybody to try to pull their deposits out all at once. Uh, but uh, the second reason is that by stopping these failures at two, and you know we we have banks that fail uh, on on occasion, uh, but by stopping this at two, it also is going to cut off concerns about how uh, poison in one bank can spill over to another and into another into another as well. So yes, our uh, you know there's not, no reason to think that any of you know our our banks here in this region. Are, are anything but in good shape. And, uh, you know, there's been no bitching anywhere of any concerns associated with them. Uh, so that to me, uh, you know, it, to me, it was a wise decision. Uh, even though you've got some, obviously some uh, banking leaders that were doing foolish things as Silicon was doing, uh, we are in an environment where rates are being hiked quite quickly. And, uh, you know, trying to stave off a potential crisis at a point where people are a little uncertain about where the economy is going uh, in the near term, uh, ultimately, I think, staves off a concern that this contagion could have continued. All right. So uh, if I'm if I'm Federal Reserve Chair uh, Jerome Powell, what I have to worry about is, uh, in, you know, lowering inflation, kind of cooling off the, the buying, you know, the hotness of the market. I have to worry about unemployment. And now I have to worry about, uh, you know, raising rates too fast so that that my uh, that my T-bills end up being not worth like what they're supposed to be worth. How do you nav? I, I know he's a smart guy, but how do you navigate all of that uh, to to a to a brighter future? I guess I feel like, you know, what's what's the future hold or or is it almost inevitable that we will have some kind of uh, recession and maybe even stagflation? Um, so first, uh, I would say by the actions taken by the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC, that we've staved off a concern associated with if Jerome Powell announces additional hikes, which that's in question right now, uh, that, again, we've, we've got a safety net associated with these mismanaged banks that may be out there. Uh, secondly, um, there, uh, if you kind of follow what a lot of financial analysts are thinking in terms of, uh, you know, market wisdom kind of going forward, uh, there's an assumption that uh, perhaps these hikes would have stopped anyway, uh, and we would not have seen that occur. Uh, you know, per, you know, I know there was a consideration this week, uh, but that by the end of of 2023, 20, uh, you know, we wouldn't be looking so much at trying to curb inflation. Uh, but to make sure the, 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 that we've gotten it under control and that uh, we're at a point now where we want to make sure we don't go into a recession. But most analysts are predicting uh, that at least for 2023, that you know the S&P 500 is going to end up in positive territory by the end of the year. So I think there, you know, views are evolving, obviously, with respect to a risk of a recession. Uh, whether there will be another bank hike or not, that's you know we don't have a crystal ball. Uh, so we don't know that. But if if that should occur, then we've got this new safeguard with the bank term funding program uh, that would be there as a, another safety net. So the state of the U.S. economy and the banking system remains strong in uh, Dr. Philbeck's uh, opinion. 
Well, I mean, uh, clearly this has exposed some um, some weaknesses, at least within some segments of it. But uh, what I will say is I think the administration worked very quickly and very proactively to try to stem what could have evolved into something that could have been more disastrous uh, left unchecked. Last question. Uh, let's bring it down to the common consumer here. Is this a good time for consumers to, if they have some debt, if they're carrying, uh, you know, you know, high interest rates or whatever, really to, to really kind of focus on liquidity and, and getting, uh, getting, you know, more rich with cash. I mean, just to kind of stave off what might be ahead of us here. Well, I guess I have a more uh, sanguine view okay. of kind of where things are going. Uh, yeah. I mean, certainly we've experienced, you know, some rocky roads, uh, you know, we, you know, with the supply chain issues and inflation uh, and so forth coming out of COVID. Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, certainly you have to be uh, aware of what your liquidity needs uh, can look like. Uh, but I don't think that there's any reason for people who have an intermediate or longer term horizon uh, to really be doing much about this, except for potentially looking for buying opportunities on what might be undervalued bank stocks yeah. uh, going forward. So again, don't know how long you know we'll see reactions occurring in the market with this, uh, but uh, you know I, I never th- t- market timing is notoriously wrong 95% of the time. So people trying to guess when to get in and out of the market, they're wrong. Uh, so to me, unless you just have short-term liquidity needs, uh, your focus should be on staying the course and looking for opportunities as they arise. We're going to leave it there. Uh, what, well, one last uh, uh, one last question: Is it true that Peter Thiel could have started this whole this whole run on uh, Silicon Valley? I mean, literally, I think didn't he bring it to the attention of Twitter, and then it kind of went, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. A- again, the power of social media. Wow. That's incredible <laughs> when you think. Well, about I it. mean, look at what games, you know, with GameStop, uh, you know, GameStop, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, yeah. running prices up. We see we've seen this back and forth with respect to, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and so forth. Yes. Uh, the You know, there are a lot of folks out there that pay attention to a lot of information, uh, very anxiety provoking uh, information and tend to be very jittery. And I think part of it is human nature, getting caught up in the moment. Part of it is anxiety levels are higher, you know, coming out of COVID, you know, and part of it is folks not doing their homework. Cool. Uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Dr. Greg Philbeck uh, from the Black School of Business, Penn State Baron. Always appreciate uh, your time and your expertise. Really appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.